You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Well, good morning again, and hello everybody up at the Mills. I hope you're having a great time up there today. I'm looking forward to seeing many of you later over at the picnic. Uh, so let's have, let's have a good time this afternoon. Today we're going to continue our sermon series that we're calling Impact. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. John, chapter 15. We're taking several weeks this month just to focus in on this important story that Jesus tells. And uh, in the context of his last meal, last supper with his disciples. And in John's Gospel, it begins with Jesus washing the disciples' feet, having the dinner with them. And we understand the last meal that he had there and this most important teaching that he left his followers with before he was arrested and crucified. And in this, he uses this metaphor of a vine and branches. And we know that, as we said last week, God is a farmer. God is a farmer. In other words, we are the seeds that God has planted. God has planted people. And and he wants his... His garden, God wants His people to produce fruit. And that's what it's all about. You and I were created to produce fruit for the Lord. God wants His people, in other words, to have this impact, have an impact. Wants you to be fruitful in your life in all the right ways that God wants you to be fruitful. And verse 5 here is a key verse in this chapter. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. We talked last week about what it means to remain in me, what Jesus said, and that it simply means we need to stay connected to Jesus. If we're to have the kind of impact that God wants us to have, we need to stay connected to Jesus in order to produce that. And to stay connected implies that we are connected and begins with getting connected to Jesus. So putting our trust and our faith in Jesus, the Bible uses the grafting a branch into the vine as the metaphor of what what happens when we put our faith in Jesus. We get tapped into Jesus. But when we get tapped in and connected to Jesus by humbling ourselves, repenting of our ways, turning to Jesus and seeking God's uh, leadership and forgiveness and direction in our life, it changes us and we become new people. But it doesn't end there. That's just the beginning point. We need to remain in the vine. We need to stay connected to Jesus. We need to stay dependent upon Jesus and upon the spirit of Christ that comes from, you know, that using that metaphor, the vine gives the nutrients to the branches. We're the branches and we need to stay connected to the vine to get those nutrients, those, the, the Holy Spirit's power, the, the benefits that come from that. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but let me ask you, what, how, how connected, how What helped you stay connected to Jesus over the past week? You know, I think think probably it would be a good exercise for pastors on Sunday to begin the sermon with, well, how did it go for you? What, what, you know, we we preached about this last week and uh, it's report time, you know. It's time to fill in what did you do with it, Um, you know, and... and, uh, how, how did that work for you? And, and if it didn't, then we maybe we need to revisit last week's message. You know, the proverbial story about the pastor that comes to church and preaches a message. And everybody's all excited. Great message, pastor. That's awesome. And next week he comes back and he preaches the same message. 
Everybody said, well, that was, that was nice. You know, third week, he preaches the same message. And he said, Pastor, don't you have any messages other than that one? And he said, well, when you start to do that one, then we'll move on to the next one. Um, and, and I think that that's important. So what has helped you stay connected to Jesus? Did you get into a small group? Have you spent some time talking to the Lord in prayer? Are you, are, are you, are you having those spiritual conversations with others? Are you filtering the, all the messages that we get all day long, all week long through the filter of God's word? How, how are you staying connected to Jesus? And that's the point. We must be desperate for that. Now, we don't do those things in order to be accepted by God, but because we are accepted by God, we want to be connected to Jesus. It's the, the fruit is, is the outflow of being connected to Jesus. We don't, we don't produce fruit and then say, Jesus, will you accept us? We get connected to Jesus, and he produces the fruit in us. And that's the whole point of farming. The whole point of farming is to produce the fruit. The fruit is the whole point of the enterprise of farming. So then it begs the question, what then is the fruit of abiding in Christ? And that's what I want to talk about today. Branches that remain in the vine, number one, they partake of the life of the vine. And number two, they produce fruit. So it's sort of a twofold thing. If we're the branches, we're the conduit. We need to be connected to the vine and that vine produces life in us. But it doesn't end with us. That's the point. It goes through us to the fruit that becomes the seed for the multiplication of God's fruit in the world. So we'll talk more about the multiplication part later, but today I want to talk about what's, what does the life of Christ, what does the fruit of the vine, uh, the energy of the vine, produce in us the branches? What's the internal things that God wants to do in us? Because that's where the impact, if we're going to have an impact, it's going to be internal and it's going to be external. It's going to be what he wants to do in me and it's what he wants to do through me. So today in John 15, we're going to revisit that passage again. First eight verses there. The writer on several ways reminds us of the internal impact. And I want to begin there again in verse 5. And the first spiritual impact that internal impact of remaining in the vine is simply this. Because I'm connected to Christ, I grow in the character of Christ. Christ grows in me. Remain in me, he says, and I in you. So the point of being connected to the vine, first and foremost, is that we take on the characteristics of the vine. Jesus talks about fruit, and he's talking about us becoming more like him. And that's just it. The impact that Christ wants to make in you is simply that. Christ grows in you, grows into you. It's all about us becoming more like Jesus. And, 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 and that's, the, Jesus says it, the scriptures say it throughout, that, that we become like him. You'll know a tree by its fruit. We become who Jesus is. And God promises to transform us from our fallen nature to a redeemed person, to, to the image of Christ inside of us. Now, we all know that God loves us just the way we are. But we also know that God wants to help us be more than what we are. That God wants us to take us and change us and redeem us and transform us. 
And so our religion, our coming to church, our doing the religious things that we do, isn't just to earn brownie points with God. It is to truly come to God to be changed and transformed into the person, into the image of Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said, when Jesus came on the scene, now it's time for him to increase and for me to decrease. The Apostle Paul put it clearly in Galatians 2.20 when he said, My old self has been crucified with Christ and no longer it's no longer I who lives, but Christ now who lives in me. And so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what does it look like when Christ is growing inside a person? What, what practically speaking, does that mean? Well, Paul put it very plainly. Later on in Galatians, he, he delineated what that now looks like. He talked about the works of the flesh, the old person, and then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. You want to know what Christ looks like inside of a person? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So, How does a branch bear fruit? The branch simply stays connected to the tree and the natural outgrowth of being connected to that tree is the fruit of that vine. What's in the roots grows through the branches, gets out to the blossoms and turns into the fruit. So how do we measure spiritual growth? How do you measure spiritual growth? I meant to bring it. Uh, We have, and probably all of you have, Somewhere in your house, if you ever had children, uh, a closet wall or uh, a marking on a doorpost that that charts the growth chart of your children. How many of you have those in your house? You could probably point to it. And we have on the back of a closet uh, paper that we put up years ago. And I meant to grab that, but, you know, the brownies for the picnic were more important when I was leaving the church. (laughs) So uh, I forgot it. But we have this growth chart, and on it, you'll, you'll see all these little lines. And next to the line is a date and a name, you know, 1989. Uh, know, Here's a line down here, you know, and uh, whatever date that is, Angela, you know. Another line, a little bit higher, you know, 1991, July 3rd, Angela, you know. And then you see another little line, you know, with a different name next to it. And three years later, you know, and you see, and it's funny because, oh, probably around 1998, this line of Angela stays the same. And then Bethany kind of creeps up. And by nine, you know, by the, by 99, it's like Bethany passes her by on that growth chart. Um, but it's, it's great to have those. In fact, when they come home, we still make them stand up next to it. I think you ask a lot of people, well, you know, how do you know if you're growing spiritually? And they'll answer you with things like, well, you know, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible. And it's the very things that I asked you earlier about. Uh, I'm going to church more, I give more. And those are the things that, that, that are the measurements of my growth. And those are all important ways 
to draw nutrients from the vine. But don't confuse your spiritual activity, your religious duties, with the measurement of your spiritual growth. Paul said, you know what? Hey, I can speak with the tongues of men and angels. Boy, that sounds spiritual, doesn't it? But if I have not love, I'm only a resounding clong or a gang symbol. If I, I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and I can have faith to move mountains, man, that seems like great growth marks, doesn't it? But he says, but if I don't have Love, he says, I am nothing. I could give everything I have to the poor and I can surrender my body to the flames. What does that not look spiritual? But he says, if I don't have, I am nothing. I am nothing. It is not the religious things you do that are the mark of your spirituality. It is the character of your life. You can know the Bible inside out. You could pray longer than anybody else. You can speak in tongues with the best of them. But if you don't love, if you don't have peace, if you don't have joy, if you're not caring, if you're not good and kind and merciful and self-controlled, then it says it's worthless. It's nothing. It's nothing. So a correct measurement of a spiritual growth chart might look like you know, going back to my daughters, if we were to mark their spiritual growth, it might say, you know, that mark right there, that was from September 91 when, when her friend betrayed her and she was cut to the core when she was in junior high. But she didn't fight back. She turned the other cheek. Whew, that's a big growth step for her. Maybe that mark there, that was, that was when 96, when her little sister just kept bugging her and wanted to hang out with her, with her junior high friends. And she, she took some big growth steps in patience that year. That, that was a great growth mark for her. And that mark right there, uh, that was when their favorite Aunt Cindy died of cancer and left two little children behind. Both of those girls made some huge spiritual growth steps that year. They matured horrendously and beautifully through that terrible, terrible experience. That mark there, that was when she went on her first mission trip to Mexico. Wow, that was a huge growth step in compassion and selflessness when she saw how the other side of the world lives. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think we should be measuring in our spiritual growth. It's the compassion, it's the mercy, it's the maturity, it's, the, it's all of those things. That's the measurement of growth. And Jesus says, if we're tapped into the vine, then it's going to produce the character of Christ. John Ortberg was asked, or he once, he said, he said I once asked a man, how do you assess, assess the well-being of your soul? And the man said, I asked myself two questions. Number one, am I growing more easily discouraged these days? And number two, am I growing more easily irritated these days? Because Ortberg says that the core of a flourishing soul are the love of God and the peace of God. And if peace is growing in me, I am less easily discouraged. And if love is growing in me, I am, in, I am less easily irritated. Oh, wow. Those are good questions. 
And, and so let's time out for a second and ask ourselves that question. Am I growing more easily discouraged these days? Am I growing more easily irritated these days? And if I am, what do I need to get the peace of God back into my life? What do I need to tap into the love of God? How do I, how do I get that from the vine? Because I think so often we're, getting, we're trying to get it from outside of Christ. And it always disappoints and it always fails us. And we need to get it from Jesus. So if we're growing more like Christ and we're developing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, ask ourselves, am I getting more easily discouraged? Am I growing more easily irritated? Perhaps I need to tap into the vine of Jesus a little more deeply and get the peace of God and the love of God back in my life. And so a major fruit... Uh, of being connected to the vine is growing in the character of Christ in our life. Another impact that, that comes from being connected to Jesus is because I'm connected to Jesus, I am made clean. Notice what he says in, in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 15. It says, He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. And Jesus said to his disciples, You've already been pruned and purified by the message that I have given you. The Greek word there for prune, prunes, he prunes is, it, it means he cleans. And he says that you're already clean by the word I've spoken to you. Notice again, the same dialogue or the same setting, a couple chapters early, Jesus began his encounter with his disciples that night by washing their feet. Again, the master, the rabbi, the one that everybody left to follow is doing the job of, of the household servant. He's the esteemed leader, and what does he do when they come into the door? He washes their feet. And Peter speaks up for the rest of them and says, Oh, no, no, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, Unless I wash you. And Jesus is speaking, you know, he's using that as a symbol. But he's saying, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And then Peter says, Oh, no, then, then, then give, him, give me all. Wash everything. I need you to wash me. Jesus said, those who have had a bath need to wash their feet, but their whole body is clean and you are clean. He pronounced them clean. What would it be like if you heard Jesus say to you, you're clean. You're clean. But, but, but you don't know. Yeah, I do know you. You're clean. But Jesus, you've got to, re- but I know that you're clean. I've washed you. What does that do inside of you? Letter to Titus says, When God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us, not by the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior, Because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit life. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. I read about this priest. Ravi Zacharias talks about him. His name is Father Greg Boyle. 
He's a Jesuit priest in East Los Angeles, California, who is in the business of erasing the past. What he does is he has put together a team of physicians that are trained in laser technology of tattoo removals. And what he does is he works specifically to help gang members remove the markings of their gangs from their bodies. These gang-related tattoos for these guys that are former gang members, they can scar them for life because they can keep them from getting jobs. They are marked as they belong to this rival gang. They might not be a part of it. It creates danger in their life, and, and it's a permanent mark in their body. And so it can create all kinds of mental and emotional uh, dangers and practical dangers for them to have these markings. And so because of this identity with their former gang life, they need to get it removed. And so this priest gets these guys together and they offer it for free for these people to remove the tattoos that identify them with their former gang. What a cool picture of what Christ does for us. Is it not? Is it not? Some of us have felt like that with our past mistakes. These sins that have marked and scarred us that we wish that we could just shake off. And that's what Christ wants to do. He wants to remove the scars and remove the markings of the past sin in our lives. And you're going to say, well, but it just can't happen. That's always going to be there. Well, yes and no. Yes and no. We, we sometimes have to live with the consequences of our sin. But we don't have to live with the guilt of our sin any longer. Do you hear that? We sometimes have to live with the consequences of our poor decisions and choices. But when we truly come to Christ, the guilt and the shame of those can be removed. What does that do to a person's soul when they know that no longer do they have to hide? No longer do they have to be ashamed? They, yeah, own it. Yes, I'm a sinner. Yes, I've screwed up. Yes, that, but that was then. This is now. I'm a new person. Jesus has forgiven me. That is in the past. That has been removed from my body, from my life. No longer am I identified by that. I have a new identity, and Christ is my new identity. And that's the fruit of being tapped into the vine of Jesus. No longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And now I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself and died for me. Can somebody say thank Jesus for that? So what stains and scars are you hiding What is it that you can't get rid of because you can't believe that Christ's word has pronounced you clean? Can you be clean? Can Jesus forgive you? If we can't believe that, then let's just not go any further. Because we've got to get there. We've got to get to that point. 
where we believe that I no longer have to be what others say I am. I no longer have to be what my corrupt mind tells me I am. I no longer have to be trapped by all of these other things that identify me. I now need to have an identity that is different. I need to have the identity of Christ in my life. I need to have the blood of Christ cover me and remove the stain and the sin and the guilt and the shame from my life. And that's the fruit of being tapped into the vine of Jesus Christ. So what needs to be removed? What are those tattoos on you that Jesus can wipe clean? And can you believe that he will do that? So one other thing I want to touch on before I wrap up here. Because I'm connected to Christ, I have the character of Christ in me. Because I'm connected to Christ, I am made clean. But, but here's, the, here's the one other thing. Because I'm connected to Christ, my prayers have greater accuracy. What does that mean? Jesus said here, verses 7 and 8, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, I need to talk about this for a little bit. Mark Twain, in the story of Huck Finn, Huck Finn says one time, he said, you know, Mrs. Watson told me that I can get anything I want if I just pray for it. If I just go into my closet and pray, then I can get it. And so he said, and I needed some fish hooks one time. And so I went into my closet and I prayed for fish hooks and it didn't work. And I didn't get them. And so I started to think about it and I realized there's really nothing to that whole thing. You know, a lot of Christians aren't as bold as Huck Finn to say that, but they believe that. You know, I prayed for something and it didn't happen, so I quit praying. There's nothing to that prayer thing. Doesn't work. So I gave up. Right? Right? We, we don't persevere in prayer. And I know, I know. And, and we could fall into the trap of just saying, well, it must not have been the will of God. Well, it's supposed to happen for me that way. And, and, and I will be the first to say that God has the right to say No. <laughs> God answers prayer, and it's sometimes no, and it's sometimes wait, and sometimes yes. But here's the point of this passage. The point isn't, well, if you just, if you pray and ask Jesus to be your Savior, then he's your ticket to get whatever you want. And I hate and despise at the core of my soul the popular theology that teaches that it's all about you getting your, you know, you know, hundredfold more, you know, you give this and God's got to pay you back and you're going to become wealthy and you're going to become rich and you're never going to get sick and you're never going to have any problems. I despise that theology. That's not what this verse teaches, but that's the verse they will quote more than any other verse. Ask whatever you wish and it's yours. Well, there's some caveats to that phrase. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, ask whatever you wish in my name. It will be done for you. 
for my Father's glory, that you may be my disciples. Oh, well, put it that way. (laughs) Kind of qualifies the things you ask for, doesn't it? The assumption is, if I'm attached to Jesus, I'm going to pray for the things Jesus wants for. If it's the life of Christ that's in me that's praying, then I'm going to pray the way Jesus prayed. And I'm going to pray for the things Jesus prayed for, and I'm going to pray to become like Jesus. And maybe my prayers will be more like the Apostle Paul who said, yeah, I want to know in the power of his resurrection. And yeah, I want to become like him in his sufferings and his death. Who? You see, what we wish for changes whenever we're attached to the vine. And our accuracy in prayer increases when we begin to pray for the will of God in our lives. And our prayers change from, oh God, make me rich. Oh God, give me, you know, no troubles. Oh God, give me everything I want. To God, I need your Holy Spirit in my life more than anything else. God, I need prayer to bear witness. I need power to bear witness to Christ in this time where I feel like doing the opposite. God, I need you to give me power to resist temptation. God, I want to have the grace to love the unlovable. God, I want to be able to forgive that person that I feel like killing. God, I want to be able to be patient with that idiot that's driving so slowly in front of me. God, I want to be able to have peace in the midst of the confusion. God, I want to have joy in spite of my circumstances. When we pray, God, your will be done. God, I want to have this done for me because I'm tapped into the vine. Our prayers gain greater accuracy because God isn't going to give you a stone when you ask for bread in the same way he's going to give you the Holy Spirit when you ask for it. God gives us the good gifts he wants us to have when we pray according to his will. And when we're tapped into the vine, we are going to be able to change what we pray for as well as the way we pray for it. Do you understand that? And so our prayers become much more mature in their focus and they're more Christ-like. We begin to pray that we'll act justly, that we'll walk humbly, that we'll love mercy, that we'll walk humbly. And so one more question, I think, for application purposes is, how do you need to change the way you pray? Do you need your prayers to change from a shopping list of things that you want to fill your closets with? Or do you want to change your prayers to something like, God, I want the life of Christ to flow through me, in me and through me. And I need to bear witness to you by the way I live my life. And no longer my will, but thy will be done, O God. If that's the way you need to change your prayer life, then God will answer those prayers. You're going to have greater accuracy. And so Jesus wants to have an impact in you. And he wants to have an impact through you. But it's what he does in you that helps you to develop the fruit, that he develops the fruit through you. And so it begins with us getting connected to Jesus. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not our only our personal walk, and it's not only about others. It's both. 
you know, the, the branch of Christianity, it's only about social justice, sometimes ignores the personal character issues. And the, and, and the branch of Christianity, it's all about me and my own personal life, sometimes ignores the, the, the justice and the caring, the compassion, and it's, we need to get it here so that we can take it there. It doesn't stop with us. But that's what I'm talking about today is the forming the character of Christ in us, cleansing you from your past, from your, fu- your present, and even your future stains if you remain in the body of Christ. It's about giving your prayers greater focus and greater power. So I want to pray. I want you to just bow your heads with me right now and let's just take a few moments and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts personally. And I want to ask the questions again to you that I asked earlier. Are you growing more easily discouraged these days? Are you growing more easily irritated these days? Then, then I want to challenge you. You need to get the peace of God. You need to get the love of God. How does that happen? Because Jesus is waiting to pour it into you. How can you open your heart to the love of God and the peace of God and let that flow into your soul? What stains, what scars are you hiding that you need to hear the word of Christ say to you, you are clean. You're clean. You're forgiven. You're pure. You're washed. You're changed. What are those things that that need to just get cleansed from you that Jesus is saying, I have the power to do that. Let Jesus wash away the guilt, wash away the shame. How do your prayers need to change? Maybe right now you need to say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, maybe I've prayed that before, but I, I, I need that, that connection that I've had with you has been closed. It's been minimized. It's, it's, I'm holding on, but I'm just holding on by a thread, Jesus. And somehow I need to shore up my connection with you. Maybe for you, that's where you need to begin and say, Jesus, I need to get more deeply connected to you so that the flow of your spirit can flow into me. Jesus. Help me, forgive me for what I've done to close off that connection. Help me to open up my heart for your spirit. Jesus, I just pray for all of us today. And if there's anybody here that's never done that, today might be a day for them to say, today's a new day for me, and I'm going to begin by by finding my identity from Christ. And I'm going to be a new person, not because I'm so good at it, but because I need Jesus, and I'm going to open my heart to Jesus. Jesus, I open my life to you. Would you just say that right now? Jesus, I open my heart to you. Jesus, I humble myself before you. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your presence and with your power, with your love and your mercy. Jesus, fill my soul. I want to be a branch that's full of life, but let it be the life of Christ in me so that I might bear fruit for Christ. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. You have been listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. 
For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.